0: Before we get to our show, here is a podcast we think you're going to love. I'm Haley.
1: And I'm Katie. And we want to tell you about our new podcast, The Reference Desk. Each Wednesday, two librarians will take you down the rabbit hole of the topics that have bewitched us. After a deep dive into the subject, we'll leave you with some recommended books and media
0: related to your new favorite topic.
1: Our topics vary from historic
0: to the creepy to the just plain bizarre.
1: So whether you're looking for new things to read, a lover of the odd or interesting, or just a basic book nerd, we hope you'll adjust the chain on your reading glasses, button up your favorite cardigan, and follow us punk-ass book jockeys through the stacks to the reference desk. The reference desk is available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.
0: To find all of our episodes, book lists, and more, visit us at thereferencedeskpod.com.
1: We'll see you in the stacks.
0: Hello and welcome, friends and enemies. It's time for Perhaps It's You, your absolute favorite unofficial unsolved mysteries rewatch podcast i'm liz and i'm samantha and i accidentally fell asleep before recording so now i have (laughs) no idea what's going on i'm very frazzled hello
1: it's a good day for a nap it's just that kind of gray
0: very sleepy sunday and even though i woke up with plenty of time i managed to drift off no, I'm not sure if this is a dream or reality. Hello.
1: <laughs> to be fair, most of our podcast recording could be described as not sure if it's a dream or a reality.
0: <laughs> I mean, does it matter? Ah. Hard really. to say. Hard to say. How are you doing today, my dear?
1: Pretty good. And you <laughs> other <laughs> <I'm> than sleepy.
0: <laughs> I'm alright. Yeah, it's it's the greyest day you ever saw. Uh, but I am alive and I am apparently recording a podcast hello hello
1: I was reminded that this time two years ago I think two years ago we were in a, the midst of a blizzard an April yes, blizzard yes that sounds so right so the weather could be worse
0: no that I prefer this to the uh, monkey's curse blizzard we had not too long ago long time
1: listeners would will remember us complaining about that <laughs> <laughs>
0: recording <laughs> during a blizzard or whatever yeah yeah no it's it's not bad um do you have any updates beyond thanking the weather gods that we don't have a blizzard today thank you thank i you.
1: have a a brief but important update okay
0: Day back is a mf <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing
1: I just I figured out the audio
0: drop a back is a MF.
1: I'll just drop this in
0: uh when it's appropriate a back is a MF. all right I have I think I have a a little update for you then hold on oh damn did it not work damn I was just hoping it would I was trying to play the song kiss from a Rose a song by seals for you oh.
1: Fortunately, I saw that in the Facebook group. Oh, okay. I believe, was it you that posted okay. yeah.
0: that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> in the tradition of jazz loon, there is a video of uh, Kiss by a Rose as sung by seals, but I think it's just playing in my headphones and nowhere else. So, never mind. I, so. I heard
1: it faintly and I was like, that sounds familiar. <laughs> is that Kiss by a Rose as sung by seals?
0: you're like i would know that anywhere Liz. that's not an update well uh that's the only update i have
1: that was the only update i had very important (laughs) actually (laughs) i i don't know if this is an update or just something exciting that i want to share which is that by the time you're listening to this dear listeners liz will have gotten her second covid shot and i will have gotten my first tomorrow (laughs) tomorrow we're recording this sunday tomorrow monday i believe you get your second shot and i get yes. my first one which means in just uh, a month's time we're gonna be fully vaccinated ready to record in person again oh ready to go goodness. on ghost tours the
0: possibilities are endless wait is this a dream or is this really happening i can't even process this information i don't know
1: it's very exciting though
0: oh to record in person wow
1: what will thought, that be like i don't even I thought it would
0: never happen again and honestly, we might not remember how to do it. So, might not. I put all that equipment in a in a tub and put that away. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to hook up all those wires. I don't know. Oh god, all the wires! <laughs> There's so many cords. We won't remember what they do. Nope. Anyway, that's exciting. I mean, also, we never knew. Well, uh... I mean, that's true. That's <laughs> fair. But we're here to show you that you don't need to know a lot about recording to have a very minorly successful podcast.
1: Yeah, you so. can even do audio drops.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you just Google it and off. Exactly. Google is your friend. where do we go from here i don't know i guess we could just
1: start talking about the episode
0: okay well we're in season six episode 12 if you're following along at home you can watch that for free on youtube um season six already wow it's hard to believe i know samantha goes first this week And I don't envy her at all. (laughs) I don't envy any of the segments she gets this week. I warned her. They're usually the ones I would get. I was just about to say,
1: usually I get the very pleasant, wholesome, and heartwarming lost love, and then you get some ridiculous military propaganda or some shit.
0: (laughs) Nope flip flip it and reverse it this week you have to deal with robert stack claiming that immigrants from cuba are are hardcore criminals (laughs) yay uh yeah so
1: we are this is a wanted we're looking for armando garcia for uh, he is wanted for drug trafficking and conspiracy to commit murder so we opened this segment in miami Um, Like Liz said, we get a monologue from Robert Stack about how Cuban immigrants are flooding into Miami and how some of them are criminals...
0: So, okay, I forget the numbers he gave, but they were very specific. It was like, this many immigrants have recently come to Miami. and
1: It was this- in the thousands. And this
0: number of them are hardcore criminals. <laughs> I was like, what is that based on? That is so Nothing. weird. As yeah. far as I
1: can tell, I feel like today we would recognize this as some racist dog whistle nonsense. I was like, what are we doing
0: here? And then... <laughs> It's, out, it's I, I shouldn't laugh, but it's outrageous. Like it's not subtle at all. And I want to know what constitutes a hardcore criminal <laughs> instead of just a criminal. I want to know where he's getting these numbers. It's so weird. If
1: the if this was even true, none of those thousands of hardcore criminals are who we're looking for. Well,
0: yeah. <laughs> to do with anything. Really
1: has nothing to do with anything. And then Robert Steck goes on to talk about these race riots, which is done in such a way that makes you go, wait, is he trying to claim that the Cuban immigrants are responsible for this civil unrest? Yes. It's done extremely poorly. Yes. Uh, Which, by the way, they are not. Um... (laughs) Robert Stack fails to to explain that the the May 18th, 1980 riots and civil unrest in Miami were the result of six police officers being acquitted for the murder of an unarmed black man. Uh, So there's that.
0: I think if it was up to me, if I was choosing what segments to revive and put on the interwebs in this day and age, I might have cut this one out. (laughs) Uh, hasn't aged well never been
1: solved
0: sh- <laughs> is totally solved should never have been on TV in the first place so Super racist, terribly done, garbage. Yeah. So, just for the sake of uh, correcting
1: unsolved mysteries, the like I said, the May eighteenth, nineteen eighty riots in Miami that took place in the black neighborhoods of of Overton and Liberty in Liberty City uh, were the result of four white Dade County police officers who were acquitted of manslaughter and evidence tampering following a oh traffic stop in which they beat a black man to death.
0: Oh my god.
1: The victim was Arthur McDuffie and he was an insurance salesman and a marine. What happened was he was riding his motorcycle which he was ra- driving without uh registration or without a, a permit or whatever. The worst um, possible crime. Yes, go yep, on. Yep, and he also had a lot of traffic citations. He was driving without a license. He fled police officers and ended up crashing his his bike accidentally. Um, and they proceeded, there was actually six officers involved. All, only four ended up being charged with anything. They oh beat him to God. death. And then, to make it look like an accident, one of them drove their police cruiser into the the motorcycle to make it look uh-huh. like they accidentally hit him, and that's what resulted in his death. And then an, optos- an autopsy revealed that it Seemed like he was beaten to death. So they were charged with manslaughter and evidence tampering. One of them ended up admitting to uh, staging the scene. And when they were acquitted, uh, yeah, civil unrest broke out. And that's what Unsolved Mysteries shows like aerial footage of like burning buildings and stuff. And kind of makes it seem like Cuban immigrants are responsible for this for some reason. Even though even mentioning them has really nothing to do with this mystery at all except that miami Uh, upped their police force by double and i'm not clear if that's (laughs) once all mysteries makes it seem like it's because of the cuban refugees but whatever it seems like it was probably in response to the civil unrest although i didn't do a lot of research uh because mainly this segment just made me angry
0: wow that is even more outrageous than i was aware of And, of course, the response to police officers killing a man would be to double the police force. Right. Uh, Right. Of course. uh, uh. Not much has changed.
1: Uh, So, anyway, this, thankfully, is a really short segment, and my notes on it are even shorter. So, we'll get through this quickly.
0: Thanks uh, for that misinformation, Robert Stack. No kidding. So,
1: like I said, we're looking for Armando Garcia. He became a Miami police officer as they doubled their police force. Well,
0: okay. So, Robert Stack wants you to think Miami out of control. Lawless it's like,
1: hellscape.
0: Yeah. It's like a, some post-apocalyptic movie. It's like Escape from L.A. Kurt Russell is <laughs> going to like surf on a, a, on a wave of fire to get out of there. Uh, So obviously, obviously they had to double the police force. There's no other way you can address social problems. And that because of the urgency of doubling the police force, which was absolutely necessary, a few bad officers (laughs) slipped through the cracks. Despite the fact... This man is telling me that they literally just killed a man for, of course, no reason.
1: Yeah, it seems like the officers they had were also bad, bad apples. Yeah, it but
0: seems like they had terrible officers, and then they used them to train even more officers. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Huh. Well, yeah. it has
0: no relation to life in Minneapolis today, and that's what <laughs> no I parallels
1: whatsoever. Can take I can't some
0: solace it. in. Yes,
1: we've come a long way. Thank goodness. Yeah, this we've... would
0: never happen now. We've learned so much. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So Armando, like I said, became a Miami police officer
0: during He this... slipped through the cracks. He was the only bad one. Well, that's not true, but we'll they get to that They had a barrel of apples, and all of the <laughs> apples were rotting, but they said that he was the one that was bad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, we'll get to it. There's like 40 others, but whatever. Anyway. <laughs> So he unsolved mystery says he soon became corrupt
0: uh-huh he didn't okay oh my god I hate so he, this. he
1: started by confiscating drug drugs and money from people whom he arrested and keeping them for himself
0: okay all right
1: Garcia and several other officers had this like thing that they would continually do uh knowing that it would be their word against the criminals
0: of course uh, I wonder if that ever happens in any oh my i hate this okay
1: eventually he became became involved uh with bogus police operations and raids of literal boatloads of drugs in july of 1985 he and several other officers busted six men who were involved in distributing cocaine during the raid the men tried to escape by jumping into a river three of the men would drown while trying to escape from the officers when the bodies were found investigators believed that it was a triple homicide however they were shocked when a security guard told them that the three men had drowned while trying to flee an quote official police raid by miami officers the problem with this is that the police logs had no record of such a raid
0: Uh uh-huh uh-huh
1: further investigation led to the arrest of garcia and 34 other officers on corruption charges he and several other officers Uh, soon had planned to kill witnesses to their corruption related crimes
0: this is just the plot of the shield but go on
1: (laughs) in january of 1986 garcia and several other officers posted bail and began their plans to kill their the witnesses however several problems occurred with this plan first of all the hired hitman took the money and never attempted to kill anyone (laughs) that's bold and i love it (laughs) garcia and the other officers tried to kill the witnesses themselves but they could never locate the witnesses fortunately none of the witnesses were harmed in the end
0: because they were so bad at murder
1: apparently Mm. garcia and the other officers case however ended in a mistrial despite this police now had new charges to file against them which was the conspiracy to commit murder on May of 1987, Garcia, however, went on the run and has never been seen since. Police believe that he may now be in South America. He's married and has two has two young daughters. Police believe that he is with his father, Tor- Torbillo Garcia, and an accomplice, Victor Zapata. So... Uh, fortunately, he is captured. Unfortunately, our enemy, America's most wanted, is the one who gets <laughs> gets the kudos for capturing capturing this guy. So, Armando Garcia was arrested on January 1994 in Cali, Colombia, along with his father and the accomplice Zapata. Uh, This was the result of a tip from America's Most Wanted viewers. All three were returned to Miami to face trial. Armando was sentenced to 25 years. His father received 10 years and Zapata received 13. Armando served time in federal prison and was released in 2006. Turbio and Zapata have also since been released.
0: I'm fine with a viewer to America's Most Wanted solving this case because I don't want anything to do with it.
1: Uh, That's a good point.
0: They can have it. That's they can, an Ameri- They can have this one. <laughs> That's an America's most wanted case. This leads me to the true unsolved mystery, which is how people who are interested in true crime and mysteries are pro cop. How is so that a thing? So many
1: are. I don't understand. I
0: really it back continue. I know it, but it continues to baffle me. It's like surely the more you learn about our system the more you would realize that it doesn't work (laughs) but that somehow is not true and people are like no the solution is more cops it's like well the golden state killer was literally a police officer but go on yeah no kidding and how many
1: others out
0: there you know, exactly. all these the
1: unsolved murders, how many of them are because they were cops or these crimes detectives. are
0: so brazen and they absolutely thought they could get away with it. And they're yeah. one of the this is a rare example of someone who didn't. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, now we told we changed gears completely. It's <laughs> a so lost love 180. Time. Yeah. We are done with the racist propaganda. It is lost love time. This story originally starts off three days before Christmas in 1964, when Faith Marie Brown of Flint, Michigan, was out for a late-night joyride with two friends. Tragically, the car crashed, and the driver survived, but both passengers, including Faith, died. For some reason, we don't learn who the other passenger was, but I guess it doesn't matter. Faith Brown was dead at 26, and she left behind seven children under the age of 10. Faith had been divorced twice, and this meant that the children ended up divided between five different families, which is very sad. But also, I can understand how it'd be hard to find someone to take in seven young children. Yeah, I know. So the story really begins when April Gerges sets out to find her biological parents. This is in 1992. She had been diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, which is a hereditary disease, and this inspired her to learn more about her birth family, which she didn't know anything about. All she knew was that when she was named Michelle Brown at birth and that she was born on September 18th, 1961. She goes to the county records office, and when she's asking about her birth, she can, like, see on the paperwork that she was born with a brother, Michael Brown, but she's actually not supposed to see that. <laughs> <laughs> and when she asks to, like, look at the dominant they're like, oh, actually, that's confidential, which makes total sense. So she learns that she had a brother, Michael Brown, kind of by accident. Three days later, she receives a letter from the county informing her that she actually had four brothers and two sisters, which was news to her. But there was no additional info or how to find them. Um, By coincidence, Mike Galloway was her best friend's husband, and he had also been adopted. So he was interested to hear about her search. So reenactment Mike has a mustache. Um, And it looks pretty good on him, I have to say.
1: There's a few good mustaches in this episode, actually.
0: I called it the good brother. Nice. Kind of giving away the twist there. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. But he kind of looks like Mike, but not really, which means that Mike's, real Mike's actual mustache is unfortunately called less good Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Uh. real Mike. Your mustache is not as good as the actor who played you. Anyway, so it turned out, that Mike Galloway's name at birth was also Brown, and that he was also born, he was born in 1960. However, Brown is a pretty common name, so and they didn't want to jump to any conclusions. But as they were talking about it, the next day, they found out that Michael knew he had a sister named Michelle, which would be Michelle Brown, which was literally her birth name. Right. So they found out that despite knowing each other for the past eight years, they were actually brother and sister which is pretty cool except for the fact that mike kind of creepily tells us that it's good that they didn't meet first and start grading and goddamn we all agree mike that is for the best and he literally says it would have been kind of shocking to have kids with your own sister i suppose <laughs> yeah i suppose to i suppose it mike this is a game of thrones he really could have kept that thought to himself instead of sharing it on national television with all of us which is disgusting we
1: all got to do a collective
0: all right mike um so well ignoring that mike is a tiny bit creepy um they begin to piece together information about their mother faith they learned that she dropped out of school at 16 to get married by 20 she already had four children which oh oh my god including two twin boys I mean sounds like the worst life ever I gotta say
1: oh yeah you get pregnant again and it's like oh you're gonna have two of them now
0: (laughs) at 20 so you're 20 no Okay. Her husband, for some reason that is not clarified, did not believe he was the biological father of the twins and divorced her and took the children, which is odd to me. It's odd that he went, I'm not the father of these children and I am taking them with me. Didn't that end up being true? I think... I wasn't clear on that. I
1: might not have been watching that closely, so maybe I'm wrong, but I thought the twins did have... The twins had a different, had a different father. Maybe okay, I'm wrong. So I'm not really did- sure. I just assumed he was a controlling freak. But
0: why did he demand custody of them? Well, probably because he's an asshole. He was like, "These are not my children, and I am taking them. Goodbye." I'm like, "Well, that doesn't make any sense." But they do break up in a really awesome mid-century living room. So look for that. That's true. Um. April and Michael were followed by another man, but ended up taken away by the state for reasons that are not really clear. I'm just guessing she couldn't take care of them. Um, Faith also had another daughter, Shannon, who was the youngest, who she did have custody of at the time of her death. But, of course, after she died, she was put up for adoption. So, at the time of the segment, they were searching for April and Mike's father. April believed that her father's last name was Dennis. Um, And they are seeking to put together the pieces of their family puzzle. Also, April, now learning that her her best friend's husband is actually her brother, is like, is anyone else I know related (laughs) to me? I apparently have a lot of siblings. And I would be like, yeah, that is unsettling. You would want to know. Yeah, 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 yeah so the, fortunately this is all worked out uh four of the missing siblings were actually watching the initial broadcast and call in and by, within 24 hours all five had called the call center so we do get to see the family reunion which is the bestest fashion we have seen in a it's while real good i wrote down so many notes okay so you have that, but family reunion. There's mustaches galore. Everybody's hugging and it's very excited. And then and then for some reason, Robert Sachs is like, and then the twins arrived. As if they're like famous or something. We like see them. It's like, a red
1: and- carpet. Yeah. <laughs> we Flash bombs going off.
0: The twins, Kenneth and Keith, arrive together, and they are fashion icons. (laughs) One is wearing a cowboy hat and bolo tie, while one is wearing a trucker hat and a 70s polyester shirt. (laughs) And they just strut in like they own the place. I cannot understand what is happening. Mike himself uh who is glad he didn't end up dating his sister is wearing a bolo tie of a gold eagle while wearing a satin jacket with his name embroidered on the lapel someone woman is wearing a gold lame blouse i'm not sure if that's michelle someone is wearing a pink western shirt there's a purple puffed sweatshirt it's all amazing it's all the best fashion i've ever seen in my life if i found any of these clothes at the thrift store i would be so excited I just wrote, I love it all. <laughs> so they all seem super happy to get back together, and um, it was sweet. I, I wish were- I had this mystery. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Their yeah their their mom had passed away, um, and none of them had like a lot of connection to her, but they sort of got to learn about her from meeting their other siblings and the rest of their family. And I'm glad that they got that bond later in life. It's cute. It was cute. I enjoyed it. It's very different than the first mystery and very different than the mystery we go to now. As I hand it over to Samantha. Thanks. So
1: now we have two unexplained deaths, which seem super explained. Seems like, I don't know, allegedly maybe the military suicided these two, but I'm just only speculating based on...
0: Yeah, look... uh,
1: pure facts laid out in the unsolved mysteries episode
0: i want to live so the fact that this mystery is allegedly not mysterious at all and is actually super solved i how we don't have to point that out like super hard
1: no i'm definitely not calling attention to the fact that these two uh didn't kill themselves and were actually murdered by the military allegedly maybe we don't actually know we're going to go along with the military's <laughs> official explanation yep. for sure wink definitely <laughs>
0: Where is our listener that wrote to us from an army base? I want to hear from you on this segment, or not? Actually, no. Maybe don't write to
1: us. Maybe don't have any association with us at all for your own safety. uh, Yeah, you seemed really cool. Uh, Anyway. Yeah, let's let's just get it over with. Yeah, yeah. So this is an unexplained death. We open in uh, the national cemetery in Little Rock, Arkansas. Robert Stack says, "Quote: Recently, we came across this article in the Philadelphia Inquirer, which makes me think that unsolved mysteries like kicked off this mystery, which is kind of funny and kind of cool."
0: i wonder uh, if it got to the point you know we're in season six they're like we have got to find some more mysteries we are really scraping the bottom <laughs> of the barrel so they're just like flipping through different
1: newspapers. newspapers
0: yeah this
1: is a piece by investigative reporter david zucchino not david Z- zucchini like i, I almost, love that name like i but almost I just, wrote down
0: i wish my last name was Zucchino. it's awesome it is a
1: pretty good name he outlines forty. 40- suspicious deaths of u.s service members that were all ruled either suicide or accidental self-inflicted death by the military 40 40 however robert stack says that in each instance evidence defies the official ruling
0: that's bold of him to say i mean we we've seen that first uh segment how much this show loves some official propaganda so it's It's odd that now they're taking on the military.
1: It is. And I I forget the number because I didn't write it down. But he tells us that like something like 30 families of some of these service members actually testified in front of like the Senate Armed Services Committee or something. um, Basically begging uh, the government to look into this because all their deaths are suspicious as fuck. And uh, this episode of Unsolved Mysteries is going to talk about two of them that are very similar. So this is the death of Billy Ray Hargrove and Michael Carmichael. Um, so Unsolved Mysteries says that the National Cemetery in Little Rock, Arkansas is the final resting place for hundreds of soldiers, sailors, and pilots, and that two men buried here are at the center of a mystery that has no easy answers. Their names are Sergeant Billy Ray Hargrove and Sergeant Mar- Michael Carmichael. The army says that both men killed themselves, but their families say the army is, quote, dead wrong.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And we hear from Billy Ray's father, who says that Mike didn't have anything to die for, no more than Billy had anything to die for, and neither one of them committed suicide, they just didn't do it. So, Billy Ray Hargrove and Michael Carmichael led very similar lives. They both had planned careers in the military since they were little kids. Both of them joined the army in their teens, and both married Korean women while stationed in the Far East. They became best buds as they climbed through the ranks. Uh, During the first Gulf War, Billy and his outfit were sent to Saudi Arabia. However, according to Billy Ray's mother, Sue Sue Nunnally, the uh, uh, conflict ended before their platoon saw any combat.
0: Also, Sue's hair is... A masterpiece.
1: It's very big, isn't it? I didn't write down. Yeah, Sue
0: understands that the higher the hair, the closer to God. (laughs) Very curly. Yes.
1: Yeah, she crafted that hairdo. So she says that when Billy finished Desert Storm, he was disappointed because his men did not get a merit award or a medal that he felt like they deserved. Um, And he set about trying to get a medal for them. And no matter what direction he went in, he just wasn't able to get it approved. Um, so like we get this reenactment of him going to his superior officer and asking for, uh, the, him to sign for this medal. And he said, because your platoon didn't see any conflict, I'm denying your request. And we don't really get a lot more details about like why he thought, like what they, so it's, it sounds like they got there and the, the conflict, the combat was pretty much over. And so I'm not exactly sure what they did that he thought merited an award. Um, I, assume he does they deserved an award but we don't get any details about it whatsoever just that he was repeatedly denied um so robert stack says that billy couldn't accept the army's decision and made a questionable decision of his own and i do agree this does seem questionable because it seems like something he would obviously get caught for
0: yeah it's odd it's an so, odd decision
1: so he forged his superior signature on the appropriate documents and a, so- a short time later his men did receive their medals. However, when he, in 1991, when he arrived in Korea for another tour of duty, he was promptly arrested at the airport by military police. And it's like, yeah, of course you were.
0: Like, yeah.
1: Your superior isn't going to notice that you all got the, the awards he clearly denied. Obviously, you're going to get caught for this and the awards are going to get taken away and you're going to get in big trouble. I guess I don't understand why he did this, but anyway... So, strangely, he was charged with treason, at least according to the reenactment. Uh, The guy who arrested him said, we're arresting you for treason.
0: I'm guessing the army takes forging your superior officer's signature very seriously.
1: Does it seem like treason? I mean, just to get your your medal?
0: I mean, I'm guessing that they would consider that treason no matter why you did it. Uh, Maybe. I don't understand the military
1: yeah i don't know maybe people in the military are like this is a crime of the highest order how dare you i have no i have no idea it doesn't seem that serious to me i mean it seems serious and obviously you're gonna get in trouble for it but
0: at a normal job you would get fired right but in, a, in the military i don't know in the military you're apparently
1: court-martialed
0: that's actually that tracks yeah, yeah so you're court-martialed yeah. and
1: charged with treason which is what billy was facing unfortunately at the same time his marriage was also falling apart billy ray's mother sue says that billy and his wife were fighting often she said there was a lot of jealousy she was constantly accusing him of having a girlfriend and having a child somewhere uh i don't know we don't, was We're was true actually told
0: that that's not true but yeah okay
1: no idea his mom actually says i'm not sure uh, it wasn't true at all uh but anyway they were fighting and it seemed like they were on the verge of divorce On February 20th, 1992, Billy missed a summons to report to duty. Even after one of his fellow sergeants informed him that he was late, Billy never reported. Instead, he set out with his dog for a walk. 20 minutes later, Billy's wife heard the dog barking. When she went out to see what was going on, she found Billy hanging from a tree by an
0: elastic parachute string. That seems like a very bad material to hang yourself with. It, It does.
1: I thought that too when I was watching this. Something stretchy? No. Ugh, that's not going to work well. I like
0: that uh, that he was charged with treason, but still asked to show up to work. And he was like, nah, fuck that. <laughs>
1: fuck you. I'm not showing up to work. I'm yeah. already
0: accused of treason. How much worse it's... is it going to get? Right. And, and then it got worse.
1: It, yeah, unfortunately it did. So a suicide note was found in his pants pocket. It read in part, quote, my life is really screwed up now and I just don't know how to fix it. I've been thinking a lot about taking my life for a long time now. Sue, however, his mother, doubts that her son wrote the note because the handwriting looked nothing like his. Hmm. And even the army acknowledged that the note might not have been in Billy's handwriting. Even so, they ruled his death a suicide.
0: That's a weird acknowledgement. Uh
1: According to Billy's mother, they concluded that he had been depressed about his upcoming court-martial and divorce. She said, quote, he was not the type of person to commit suicide no matter what, especially putting a rope around his neck. I could just not believe it, and I still don't believe it. Something happened to him, but he did not commit suicide.
0: The thing is, I might believe this was a suicide. I think families often have trouble accepting their loved ones commit suicide and you know things were maybe not going in a great direction for him i would believe it more if we didn't have this second uh uh episode
1: yeah the second one in this this Which is basically identical to what happened to him. Also, the autopsy report contained evidence that it may not have been a suicide. Billy had cuts and abrasions on his face, hands, and knuckles. His mother thinks that he may have been involved in a fight before he died. So it seemed like there was signs of a struggle on his body. Which you wouldn't expect to see if he was just out walking his dog and then decided to hang himself from a tree.
0: With the parachute cord he had with him. Yeah. What?
1: Was he using it as a dog leash? I don't understand. So he was laid to rest on uh, March 4th, 1992. One of the mourners at his funeral was his friend, Mar- Mike Carmichael. And Billy's father recalled a conversation he and Mike had. He said, quote, I, when I finally met Mike, it was at Billy's funeral when he brought Billy's body back home. And he told me, he said, well, give them hell. They're going to make them pay. The SOBs pay for what they done. Mm-hmm. So basically Mike Carmichael was like, this was no suicide. And he told his father as much. So after the service, Mike re- returned to the Hargrove's house with Billy's family, where he also spoke to uh, his, Billy's mother. She said, he looked at me and he promised, and he told me that if it was the last thing he ever did, he was going to find out what happened to Billy Ray. Unfortunately, six weeks later, Mike was also found dead. Mike's uncle, Oscar Carmichael, served in the Marines for 20 years, and he said that Mike believed there was a larger conspiracy involved. He said there had been three other army personnel in Korea that had supposedly committed suicide. And my nephew told his birth mother, don't be surprised if I'm next.
0: Yeah, that's kind of important. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, not only are these two suicides extremely similar, but these these weren't random people. They knew each other. And right. all these people are just dropping dead of suicide,
0: apparently. And he's literally like, if this happens to me, I didn't do it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So, uh, seeming allegedly not not mysterious at this point, but allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. So, Mark Mike Carmichael returned to Korea and began his own investigation. He and his wife, Soon-Hoo,
0: visited oh
1: Billy oh Ray's my. widow and collected his personal papers. Inc- included was a letter Billy wrote to his father a few days before his death. But the letter never made it home to Billy's father. Billy's father says he was supposed to have written me a letter sometime in February. And I'm sure if I could find that letter, it would explain a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Probably true. Mike continued to collect Billy's papers and stored them with his own papers in a metal box. Mike told his uncle Oscar that if anything were to happen to him, Oscar should immediately open the box, but Mike never said what was in it.
0: Interesting.
1: Then on April 3rd, 1992, On Mike Carmichael's 38th birthday, he received an unexpected phone call ordering him back to the base. According to his wife, soon, by the by the next morning, Mike had still not returned home. She said that on Sunday morning, she called the Army base to find out where her husband was. She talked to security and was told that they had not seen her husband at all. So she asked him to try and knock on the door of his barracks, and he said that there was no response. Hmm. So at this point, Mike's wife is starting to get a, a little worried an hour later soon found mike carmichael's body in his barracks office he was hanging by a parachute cord and was leaning in an odd position against his locker like billy he had abrasions on his face and a gash on his forehead and he had been dead for several hours but isn't he sitting down? Yeah, this is what's odd. He is hanging from the parachute cord, but he's only a few inches from the ground. Like his butt is just a few inches from the ground. It's a very unusual way to kill yourself. And that's remarked upon by several people in the episode.
0: Yeah. That like
1: this is not how you would do it. First of all, there are other people said you would not use a parachute cord. It's super stretchy and you wouldn't do it this way. Because you're naturally going to want to, like, prop yourself up. It doesn't make any sense. So the Army's investigation concluded that Mike Carmichael had taken his own life because he was depressed over financial matters and Billy's death. His uncle doesn't believe it for a second. Neither does anyone else. Um... Uh, the Carmichael and Hargrove families absolutely refused to believe that the deaths were suicide. They la- launched a letter writing campaign asking for the official reports from the military. Unsatisfied with the military's response, they contacted the office of U.S. Congre- Congressman Jay Dickey. Um, Greg Stein was, the Congre- was Congressman Dickey's legislative assistant and looks to be approximately 12 years old. I wrote that down too. I literally wrote, Greg
0: Stein looks 12 years old.
1: He looks so young. I'm sure he's he's very. It seems like he's very accomplished, and he did a good job investigating this. But goddamn, he looks like he can't even drive. Do you have no. a, do you have a driver's license,
0: Greg? No. He's he must be a child genius that graduated high school at six. <laughs> Definitely.
1: And he, so he's quoted as saying, even the reports that I could get were lacking in the photos of the crime scene. Other things were withheld or whited out for unknown reasons. Hmm. And after looking at it, I didn't think that they took into account all of the different aspects of the case. So it seems like they maybe didn't hardly investigate this at all. They being allegedly the military. So Congressman Jay Dickey says that he believes there's been a cover up. He says, quote, I don't want to accuse anyone at this time, but the reason why there would be a cover up, I don't know. That's one of the things we want to find out. But I happen to think that if we open things up, we'll find an answer. Hmm. so the two families are especially troubled by the many similarities of the two deaths both billy and mike died just after they were summoned to the army barracks both were tied with parachute cord both had cuts and abrasions to their faces and hands and both men were found hanging just inches from the ground which yeah if you have, okay i'm just spitballing here i'm not saying this is what happened i'm just speculating if you had to lift a body up to like make it, maybe stage a suicide, you probably can't lift them that
0: high, because they're yeah, heavy. Yeah, they're heavy, you know? So Also, for some reason, you're using stretchy cord. So yeah, I'm it makes gonna... it even
1: more difficult, allegedly. <laughs> so the metal box that contained Mike and Billy's personal papers were, was sitting on a desk across the room from Mike's body. The box of letters later disappeared, and no one knows what happened to it, and military personnel deny its very existence. hmm So naturally, the men's families suspect a cover-up. I have no idea why. A congressional hearing, however, upheld the Army's findings of suicide. They found that Mike had choked himself with a rope while sitting on the ground. Billy's mother says that the hearing was just a formality put on for show and insists that the two friends were murdered.
0: I mean, I'm not going to say I agree, but...
1: No, I'm staying neutral on this one. We have an official ruling, and I'll just leave that there for our listeners to all over
0: yeah (laughs) i feel so bad for these families
1: so bad and 40 others yeah uh, i mean uh, countless others honestly but this but the ones who were mentioned in the unsolved mysteries were 40
0: even if it's not true for all 40 people it's hard to think that there's not a pattern there yeah yeah I forgot who Oscar is. I think he's someone's dad, but he had a mustache. Oh yeah, there was a few mustaches in here I forgot to mention. He had a thin grey kind of creepy mustache. <laughs> called the truther.
1: Oh, I think Oscar was one of their uncles. Oh right. Michael he's the uncle. Mike's uncle. Yeah. Yes. Mike's uncle Oscar. Yep.
0: yep, yep. I want to say as little about that mystery as possible because I don't want to get renditioned. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. So let's just move on. This is an interesting case, this last one, but it is sad. So let's have some fun (laughs) with this missing person case. We are learning about Denise Hovarth allen who stopped for hearing from her 20-year-old son Charles in 1989 when he was traveling through Canada. Um, she lives in England, where Charles is also originally from. That spring, Charles had started hitchhiking across Canada. And I wrote down, probably in search of cheesies. <laughs> probably. Also, <laughs> the,
1: re- the actor they get to reenact this man is very attractive.
0: Yeah, he seems like a charmer and... I, I, is the reenactment accent accurate let's just assume it is so his original plan was that he was going to hitchhike across canada and then fly to hong kong in august to celebrate his 21st birthday with his mom denise and his stepfather so he had always been pretty close with his mother she had him pretty young and uh, they had sort of a gilmore girls relationship um So when she stopped hearing from him, she was concerned and she contacted local embassies, but they weren't really much help. So she decided to go look for Charles herself. She started in Kelowna, British Columbia, because that's the last place she had heard from him. He had faxed her a letter on May 11th, 1989, and then she never heard from him again. Um, She made two extended trips to that area between 1990 and 1992, hanging up flyers and talking to people in the area to see if they had seen Charles. This letter to Joanne, who we hear from, who had met Charles a few times and was obviously charmed by him not a surprise we get a reenactment of them like walking along and he's like showing photographs of his family and like talking about how much he likes them the last time she had heard from him is that he had shown up uninvited while her brother was visiting and was told (laughs) over the intercom that it wasn't a good time and apparently he had responded and this is clearly like now a running joke in her family but it's charles (laughs) like he couldn't believe that they wouldn't invite him up, but they were like, no, this is kind of like a family thing, and we barely know you, so We're sorry. trying to have
1: dinner? Sorry, dude.
0: <laughs> we're having a family dinner while my brother, who doesn't live here, is in town, so sorry, Charles. And he clearly was just like, what? I don't get it. He's just a super friendly guy. Anyway, so that was in May of 1989. He had been staying at a campground, which we are told is in an unsavory part of town. And hilariously, when they do a reenactment to show us that it's an unsavory part of of town, that is consisted of a dude sitting on a motorcycle and old people pouring coffee.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Unsavory.
0: (laughs) Very disturbing. So the mom was like scared to go look for him there, but. Eventually, she did, and she went to talk to the campsite manager that told her that Charles had abruptly left in May of 89, leaving his tent and his possessions behind. Most of them had been disposed of already, but they were able to give her a few remaining items, which at least in the reenactment were a watch and a rosary. At this point, Denise went to the police station apparently the police officer she spoke to told her that her son was probably dead and they would never find his body but that he would contact interpol to see if they could get his dental records what an asshole i know so then we get a statement from a police officer saying i don't know who said that and i apologize because (laughs) wow that's really not how this should have been handled so in march of 92 didn't Denise was in town looking for her son and she was shocked to find a letter shoved under her door that was quote scrawled in a rough hand and it said I seen your son in the paper looking I seen your ad in the paper looking for your son I seen him May 26th we were partying two people knocked him out but he died his body is in the lake by the bridge so Lake Okanogan I probably said that wrong. Just outside of town is one of the deepest lakes in the world, which made this slightly complicated. Uh, Volunteer divers immediately got to work, but after five days, they hadn't found anything. And Denise got another note saying they were looking at the wrong side of the bridge. So one day after moving their location, um, they did find a body. However, despite preemptive reports in the newspaper saying that this was Charles, it was not. It was actually a 64-year-old local resident who probably committed suicide. This leads to a leap on logic I'm not entirely sure about. The police now believe the notes were hoaxes and that finding the body was a coincidence. I'm not quite sure why they decide that because we still don't know what happened to Charles, I'm sorry to tell you. Um... So I don't anyway, there's no way they know that. Because we now hear from a man who came forward to say that he saw Charles at the campsite where he was also camping there, that he used to have coffee with him in the morning and he would play with his son, and he described Charles as very friendly, quote, perhaps too friendly hmm. and a little naive. Um this man was named Gino and he is our MVM. He has a gigantic mustache called Mega Man Walrus. <laughs> it's <laughs> huge and I don't know Gino seems like a fun guy uh I'm not sure what like too friendly means but whatever um so he had last seen Charles that what was apparently a raucous party at the campsite the next morning Charles was gone was gone but his things were still there the police now believe that okay so everybody's last recollection of Charles is in May that's when his mom last hears from him that's when Joanne, says she le- he-, he last came to her apartment that's when this guy says he last saw him at the campsite that's when the camp manager says he was just gone and we got rid of his stuff it's sad to me that neither gino nor the camp manager thought to contact the police that this guy had just left all of his worldly possessions
1: disappeared
0: at his campsite apparently including things that seem valuable like a watch okay so all of those things are in may of 89 but then the police believe that Charles went to Joanne's place in July, two months after leaving the cramp ground and writing his mother. I have no idea how they come to that conclusion. It's not supported by anywhere else, and it doesn't make any sense to me. No. So they that led them to believe that he may have intentionally cut off ties with his family. Oh, my God. He, he
1: love his family. He was so close with his mom.
0: Okay. He literally meets a girl while on vacation and is just talking about his mom. That's not a guy that's going <laughs> to cut off ties with his family. Also, he's faxing her letters. He could have gone to Canada and never talked to her again easily. Yeah, but instead he's no sense. he's he's at a campsite but tracking down a fax machine in order to send his mom letters. No, they just don't want to look into it that doesn't sound like a guy that doesn't want to contact his family to me at all and i don't understand how they come to decide that he actually last went to joanne's place in july that doesn't match up with where was he staying then yeah this doesn't track at all it doesn't seem like he has enough money to like go to a hotel or something and he just left everything he owns at the campsite i don't i find it very annoying um there have been maybe 200 eyewitness signings of Charles, some as late as June 92. However, we know that's not very accurate. Particularly, these pe- none of these people would know Charles, right? So they've right. seen a guy that looks like Charles. Or they saw a guy with an English accent. I don't know. Sadly, there's no update. We don't know what happened. Denise basically spends her whole life looking for Charles. She was part oh. of some let me let me see this on unsolved mysteries wiki she's part of some um choir of like people who have missing family members oh my god okay this is from unsolved mysteries wiki unsolved in 2010 the serious crime unit listed charles as deceased in 2015 denise noted that her trip to canada in search of him would probably be her last one okay so she has been going since 1990 oh my god she spends 25 years going to canada and looking for her son um that that would probably be her last trip due to health problems and financial difficulties in 2017 she appeared on britain's got talent as part of the missing people's choir (sighs) if if charles was still alive he would be 51 today i i have chills this is terrible um I think there's absolutely no way Charles is still alive. I think there's no way he would have contacted his mother. And all I of think time. he was
1: murdered at that party after some altercation with someone and thrown in the river.
0: Yeah, I think that this letter that the police just dismiss as a hoax when they don't find his body. That that lake is extremely deep, and I don't know if it connects to anywhere else or if there's any sort of current. But after they found one body, they stopped looking. Yeah, that just because absence of evidence is an evidence of absence that doesn't mean that his body is not in that lake yes and the person writing those notes was invested enough to be like you're looking in the wrong place i'm guessing he died like accidentally at that party maybe that there was a... two
1: yeah maybe they were doing maybe... illegal things and someone was
0: maybe there was a fight maybe he drank too much maybe he fell and hit his head i don't know but people felt like they had to get rid of his body And to some degree felt bad about it. Enough to try to leave the mom in the right direction. That's my guess. I don't know why the police just dismissed that. Um, It seems like someone knew something.
1: I was just about to say the same thing. Someone knows something. This is one of those mysteries that should be added to the reboot. Yes. dredge that lake again.
0: Yes. Oh, poor Charles just just a young guy that was like out to explore the world and have adventures and hit up hit up women by talking about his mom and <laughs> oh, man yeah I can't yeah. I mean I, I look I don't I don't manage a campsite in an unsavory part of town but I feel like if someone just up and vanishes and leaves all of their earthly possessions that maybe you should report them missing uh
1: you don't manage an unsavory campsite where people are uh, drinking coffee
0: yeah yeah or old canadian women pour coffee in the metal pots oh <laughs> my worst fear um he seems like he was a really nice guy and his mom clearly loved him he was so loved that's such a shame god damn i know i know and well i don't know canadian police do better i'm not impressed no definitely not also just being like look your son's dead we're never gonna find the body i barely know why you're here she's you like wow.
1: records maybe we can send you those
0: wow C- welcome to canada indeed <laughs> all right should we rate this episode this is gonna be a challenge let's do it yeah
1: okay so mysteriousness is our first
0: pretty mysterious and i do
1: think it's mysterious yeah
0: Pretty mysterious. There's a case we're not even going to comment on. And we don't know what happened to Charles. So, pretty mysterious. Pretty mysterious. Reenactments? Mm. I thought they were
1: fine. I, I don't mean, know if anything stood you're, out.
0: You're into reenactment Charles, so maybe that gets a thumbs up. I was going to
1: say, the casting was pretty good, so maybe I'll give you okay. a thumbs
0: yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: oh, fashion.
0: Fashion. Like fashion. I feel like <laughs> I know you're... Have- you're right. I've never taken so many notes on fashion. This,
1: this gets
0: two thumbs up. This is great. Yep.
1: And Robert Stack I'm, is getting two thumbs down yeah, for me. No.
0: I, I, I'm sure God he damn. didn't. He didn't write that first segment, but I'm holding him accountable. So oh, yeah, no, he he seems to really relish this explanation that somehow immigration demands more police but of course they'll be terrible um <laughs> that's just a, that's just a fact you have to accept obviously oh some God. of them will commit major crimes oh. uh yeah thumbs down thumbs down uh yeah
1: <laughs> on how do you want to rate this one on a robert stack scale we can give it anywhere from zero <laughs> to five robert stacks
0: I mean, a mixed bag if ever there was one. I'm, I think I feel better about this episode because I did not have either of your mysteries. I got an adorable lost love and a mysterious disappearance. So I'm going like, oh, this is a three. But also, I'm not you. So what do you think? I mean, the mysteries were mysterious, actually.
1: Like, do I find all of them pretty mysterious and pretty interesting yes i just don't like how they were presented well actually it's not true i don't really find the first one that mysterious at all the right the 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 wanted was whatever they caught him fine give that one to america's most wanted
0: (laughs) yeah yeah throw
1: that away i liked the lost love i always love a lost love um and then the last two were interesting but you know a one we can barely comment on yeah so where am i maybe a a uh, 2.75? I don't
0: know. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I would I say
1: five racist Robert Stacks. Oh, absolutely. 2.75 regular Robert Stacks.
0: I think that's totally fair. Yes. I really see where you're coming from. Ugh, um. Damn. We'll just forget this one ever happened. Yeah. Don't show it to small, impressionable children, please. No. Please. You're like, Liz, I don't show my children Unsolved Mysteries. Well, that makes you different than my parents. <laughs>
1: So, you want your kids to grow up like us or not? <laughs> They're like, oh,
0: God, no. I'm <laughs> like, well, good choice. Okay, that brings us now that the military has not killed us yet, we get to give some <laughs> recommendations. Since we're still alive, since we're still kicking and breathing, I can recommend to you a book. Ooh, this is nonfiction. This is. The book Scream, Chilling Adventures in the Science of Fear by... What is this author's full name? Margie Kerr. I didn't know a ton about this book. It just sounded interesting. I checked it out from the library. I really enjoyed the first half of it. So this is a psychologist. I cannot talk who works for a popular haunted house and realizes that there's not a lot of science about why people seek out things that are scary. Like what is the appeal of roller coasters, scary movies, haunted houses, stuff like that. There's a lot of science on what we find scary and why, but there wasn't a lot about like why people would actively look for and find joy in, scary experiences so this book is mostly her purposely going to do some scary things like ride the world's tallest roller coaster and she goes to this tower in canada that's really high up where you're like on this bungee thing you're like basically like hanging off the top of a high building to like for fear of heights she gets she goes to an old haunted prison um to spend some time in solitary confinement and also to like look for ghosts. And I thought all of those things were super interesting. She talks about like what is being stimulated in your brain and like why you would like that and how knowing that you're actually like in a safe environment to like it's very different than just like, you know, actually being scared of something and sure, right, stuff like that. And I found that all super interesting there's a part of the okay so that's the first part of the book um in physical thrills where she does a, a like drop um sphere of heights and then we do the part two psychological thrills so being psychological chills sorry being a lion in the dark exercising the ghost little house of horrors. that's like a uh haunted house she goes to I'm less in- invested when we get to part three, real fear. So this involves some tour the the, the the first part involves some tourism, like going to the tallest roller coaster or whatever. But the real fear part, I'm not sure I'm totally on board with this. This seems kind of tacky. She oh. goes to the what it sometimes referred to as the suicide forest
1: oh, in Japan. No, no. To- <laughs> To, no. con-
0: <laughs> to confront her fear of death and then she goes to Colombia just because i guess there's crime oh my god <laughs> so i was very interested in this book and had recommended to a lot of people having read like the first part and then i got to those parts and i was like i don't really know that this is appropriate and she just kind of acknowledged her privilege of like that she gets to just travel to Colombia and leave and it's not really the same and whatever. I was like, yeah, but you're still doing it. But then at the end, it's like, well, I used everything I've learned to make the scariest haunted house ever, improving people's lives. And I'm not sure <laughs> I quite. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> she like really congr- congratulates herself on make. Okay, let me find a. I honestly do recommend this book. I found it really interesting. It's just the longer that it goes,
1: the more I'm like, like, for sure. The more
0: I was like, this is from the very end before the afterward. Years ago, I became a sociologist because I wanted to make people's lives better. I wanted ways. I wanted to find ways to end the hurtful and impacting, (laughs) damaging impact of prejudice, discrimination, and abuse rooted in fear. I never thought I would accomplish that in a dusty basement with a knife in one hand and a black bag <laughs> in the other. A little self-aggrandizing. That's, it, that's <laughs> the end of the book! She, she's like, I took all this on, knowledge and I made a haunted house. The greatest human achievement of all time. Okay. I mean,
1: I'm sure it's a great haunted house, but that's a little bit self-aggrandizing.
0: Didn't you know that, that that has an impact th- oh on my racism somehow? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, <laughs> but I'm actually I, okay. interested in reading
1: this book. It sounds interesting. That part seems funny, but I'm yeah, interested in a, the science of fear. I mean,
0: that that's a little much. I'm guessing she just didn't have quite enough for a whole book. Yet sometimes she refers to other things that she did that she clearly decided I'm not going to write a whole chapter on this. Like she was like, "This person has been with me for through a lot, including that time they literally saved me from drowning by that haunted lighthouse," and I was like. Where's that chapter? Why can't I learn more about that? Why are you just like going to Colombia and getting scared? Someone's going to mug you. Okay. Anyway, so it's a, it is a bit of a mixed bag, but I found the science part very interesting. And if you're like me, you can check it out of the library. Won't cost you any money. And you could, I don't know, maybe skip that. End. <laughs> that's my recommendation.
1: <laughs> uh, that's a good recommendation, actually. I think I'm probably going to read that book. Um, I have a recommendation so I struggled to come up with a recommendation like we talked about multiple times I'm just not trying ho- out a lot of new rough. things <laughs> lately but I realized that I'm trying off this app and I'm liking it so far so I'm going to give this like a hesitant recommendation and then maybe update our listeners in a few weeks or months when I've used it for a little bit longer so mm-hmm. uh, in one of my gardening groups someone recommended this app called Greg I don't know why it's called Greg it doesn't seem to stand for anything <laughs> I I think it's funny. It's I do think it's funny. It's literally G R E G, and it's a plant care app. Okay. So I, despite the fact that I love plants and own probably over a hundred house plants at this point, I do actually struggle to remember to water them, which isn't the worst problem. House plants I feel like die most often from like overwatering, but sure. I've had some plants suffer from time to time from neglect. And so I saw this recommendation for this app called Greg and it's like, it's supposed to use artificial intelligence to like learn um, like your plants water individual watering schedules and send you reminders when you should water your plants. And so there's a free version, which is the version I have. And I think you can have like up to five plants. So I'm going to do a little test run on this app um, with some of my plants and see if, Uh, it works and if it helps me uh, keep to a better watering schedule for some of my plants because what I do now is I kind of like try and remember to like check all my plants once a week but I often forget and then a couple weeks will go by and then by that time some of my plants are very parched so I'm like you know maybe this will work maybe I can like test this out on a few plants and have it remind me when to water them and see if if they uh, appreciate it so I do so far like the app it has a good interface it seems to like have a good like like photo recognition system like i like you take a picture of your plant and there's a ton of information that you give it about your plant like what kind of pot it's in um how big the pot is how often you water it like like previously like when was the last time you watered it all kinds of stuff um you take a picture of it and then it automatically like tells you what your plant so like there's some plant id apps out there that i know other people have used i haven't tried them but this one seems pretty good it kind of identifies what plant it is and then yeah so you say if you know how far away is it from a window how much direct light does it get what type of soil is it in does it have drainage where in your house is it does it live inside or outside or sometimes inside sometimes outside and you give it all this information and then you so i plug this all in for one of my aloe plants for instance and then And it told me that I should water it again in two weeks. So I'm going to let it remind me to water this plant in two weeks. I'll water it and, I don't know, give it some more info and see if it adapts to my particular plant's needs and if it it works. I've tried plant apps in the past and haven't really liked any of the ones I've tried. Part of the problem is I have too many plants, I think, for it to really work that well. (laughs) I don't think I can put all my plants in this thing and manage it that way. But I feel like maybe some of my plants that I struggle because especially plants that don't need water that often, like maybe once a month, I have a really hard time remembering to water them because it'll be like sure, three or sure. four weeks ago go by and I'll be like, when did I water that plant last? <laughs> Does it need water? It's a little damp. I don't know. It's it's hard. Even for, I, I feel like I'm a seasoned plant professional at this point, And even I struggle with some of those things. So Greg, the plant app. I'm trying it out. So far, I like it. I can give you you all an update. Um Maybe I'll. But you can only
0: put in five plants. I think
1: so. You can pay. There's Greg, and then there's Super Greg. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and yeah, I think the free one only gives you four plants, and then you can do a trial of Super Greg, which I have not. I'm not mm. going to do at mm. this point. If I really love this, I don't know how much it is. Maybe I'll pay
0: for it. Maybe I'll say nah. But but yeah super greg that's amazing
1: (laughs) i like the all the little plant like icons and stuff on here are really cute um i do think it maybe does more than just remind you to water your plants but that's how i'm using it at the moment so we'll see
0: well this is a great reminder to me to water my plants (laughs) and it can be a reminder to our listeners as well also to dust the leaves of your plants let that 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 light let that light
1: in now that it was, we're getting into spring, you know, your house plants start to need more water. And that is is—it's not great for me because now I'm starting to do more outside gardening, which means my plants inside are just naturally going to kind of get neglected. On top of them needing more attention <laughs> now is kind of a bad uh it, it doesn't bode well for some of my plants, although
0: most of them are doing fine. They'll be fine. They're tough. Don't be so hard on yourself.
1: Yeah. So I'll let you know what I think of
0: Greg. All right, we'll get a Greg update in, in a couple weeks. <laughs> I believe that that brings us to an end, dear listeners. Thanks for supporting us. You can follow us on the social medias. You can sign up for our Patreon to get bonus episodes, coloring sheets, stickers. Everybody loves stickers.
1: Hell yeah. Um, you
0: can else? follow
1: us on social media. We're on Facebook. We have multiple Facebook groups. You can hang out with us on and play Animal Crossing together, which is a lot of fun. You can also find us at Perhaps It's You on Instagram and
0: Twitter. Maybe you wanted to send us a ghost story or something spooky that happened to you. You should definitely do that. You can send us an email at Perhaps It's You podcast at gmail.com. And we also have a website, Perhaps It's You.com. There's stuff on there. I think that's pretty much everything, except that I assume you've already slammed that subscribe button <laughs> so hard. I assume you did us a solid and that's already happened. And that you've already left us a five-star review, the only type of review we accept.
1: Yeah, if you haven't, shame on you. Uh, Get on that. We need some more five-star
0: reviews. It boosts our ego, if nothing else. Also, I recently saw this horrible review for the Date with Dateline podcast about how they're too ugly or something. Uh, if you wrote that review, you're not allowed to listen to this podcast. You're not oh. allowed to listen to any podcast ever again. You have to turn in your ears. You're not allowed to have ears anymore. That was ridiculous. Completely ridiculous. Do you
1: um, think I have a podcast because I have a face for
0: TV? No. Clearly, it doesn't matter. So yeah, shut up a and keep podcast. your reviews to yourselves. The a podcast. We're not. Oh, my God seriously people are ridiculous if we were hot we would be making money being hot (laughs) not podcasting yeah think think before you write reviews people oh my goodness all right thank you everyone and keep barking a back is a mf (laughs) bye